time and experiences, the two key components that comprise the adobe of life. And since the dawn of man, few things have been measured, probed, pondered, or pursued than time. Yet, it remains a mystery. The New Age robber barons haven't quite figured out how to water it down, bottle it, mass-produce it, or trademark it. As it stands, there's a finite amount, and none of us knows when it's going to run out. When it comes to experiences, thanks to technology, all of us have in the palm of our hand the power to chronicle every minute of perceived experience. Be they banal or beautiful, tedious or triumphant, we capture and share them all. The point of convergence, where time and experience meet for their brief midnight interlude, is New Year's. That imagined signpost that zooms past every 365 days to remind us that we're moving through this fluid thing called time at a very high rate of speed. And what do we do every year at this time? We make those pesky resolutions. Or do we? I don't think it's of any great service to talk at length about the tradition of New Year's resolutions. You don't need to know that it dates back 4,000 years to the Babylonians or get drawn into all of the religious parallels. Suffice it to say, it started with the best intentions. Farmers promised to make good on their yearly debts. Romans made promises to the god Janus, for whom the month of January is named. The Jews had Yom Kippur. The Christians had Lent. To put it simply, the concept, regardless of creed, was the annual practice of reflection and self-improvement. When a person resolves to continue positive practices, change undesired behaviors, or achieve a personal goal, and reassessing one's current state of well-being is never a bad thing. As with most things in the modern world, we've mucked up the implementation a bit, but I think it might have been this way, mucked up, for a long time. Here's one of the earliest instances where the actual phrase, New Year's resolution, was used in a January 1st issue of a Boston newspaper from 1813. Quote, I believe there are multitudes of people who will sin all the month of December with a serious determination of beginning the new year with new resolutions, new behavior, and with the full belief that they shall thus expiate and wipe away all of their former faults. End quote. Wow. Expiate. If that's not a good Gregorian word, I don't know what is. So, all of this resolution silliness is mostly a Western world construct. You see, in America since the Great Depression, when they started tracking this stuff, as if they had nothing better to do back then, it balances out to somewhere between 40 and 50% of Americans who make New Year's resolutions. If you look worldwide, only 23% of people make resolutions. The rest have shit to worry about that's more important than making promises to themselves they have no intention of keeping. What? I'm sorry, was that the cynic rearing its ugly head, missing the beauty of self-transformation? Yeah, possibly, possibly. But let's look at the top 10 New Year's resolutions, huh? You know them, you love them. Number one, exercise more. Number two, lose weight. Number three, get organized. Number four, learn a new skill slash hobby. Number five, live life to the fullest. That's not vague at all. Number six, save money, spend less money. Number seven, quit smoking. Number eight, spend time with family. Number nine, travel more. Number 10, read more. Any of those familiar bedfellows for you? We've all been there. The fail rate for those of us participating in this varsity is a whopping 88%.
And here's a breakdown on why people fail at sticking to their resolutions. 35% of people said they set unrealistic goals. 33 said they never tracked their progress. And 23%, this one's my favorite, said they forgot. They forgot they made a resolution. Now wonderful. Why such high fail rates? Several reasons. The first is that the goals are usually too broad, like lose weight. What does that mean? How much weight? In what length of time? Live life to the fullest? Neither one's a clear target. And the experts in stuff like this, the psychologists, claim that making them more specific will actually give you a better chance of holding to it. Lose 10 pounds before the beginning of summer. That's a specific target with a specific time frame. Another biggie when it comes to the failure of our resolutions is that we humans operate with the belief that we can access with the flip of a switch that rarely used trait known as self-control. But self-control is a myth. It's a mythical superpower that we chase and then chastise ourselves when we fail to catch it. Now, there are so many facets to this myth of self-control, but to put it simply, self-control is the practice of forcing yourself to do what you don't want to do. Be motivated when you're not, or follow a path that you didn't choose. Discipline equals suffering. It's control versus desire. And we all know when someone tells us we can't have something, we can't do something, we want that something even more. How can this possibly lead to successful results? If you decide to continue with the practice of making New Year's resolutions this year, here are some simple tips to better your chances. First, make them specific. Make them attainable. Essentially, give yourself a clear target to aim at. Then, share your goals with your friends and your family so that they can support you. And then, be diligent about getting off track. If you stumble, get back at it ASAP. Personally, I stopped making resolutions years ago. I do partake in the self-reflection. I look back at the events of the year, where I started, where I finished. But in all honesty, I do this all year long. As an independent artist, I'm constantly adjusting my course, reassessing. I'm viewing everything with a critical eye. Now, I've been thinking about this New Year's Eve piece for a while. Knowing it would air a few days before the big day, I wanted to make it something special. I wanted to come up with a different take, something I could offer as an alternative to the New Year's resolution that would still encompass all of the positive aspects of reflection and improvement, yet dispense with the guilt, self-denial, and the high probability of failure. Now, if you still prefer to do the resolution jiggly jiggly, uh, I don't know what that means. Have at it. But what I've come up with as an achievable alternative is a list of questions. A list of questions you already know the answers to. How freaking easy can it be? When compiling this list, I came across hundreds of great questions that we could all benefit a great deal from, but ain't nobody got time for hundreds of questions. This is not the SATs. I culled my list down to 10. 10 questions to ask yourself this New Year's Eve. Come on, you can handle 10. I don't have a fancy name for the list or a cute little acronym, and it's far from perfect, but what the hell's perfection anyway? With this list, I tried to consider all of the areas of our lives that come under scrutiny when we talk about self-improvement health, happiness, relationships, finances, work life, and dream life. So here we go. Number one, what did I change my mind about this year? Contrary to popular belief, changing your mind's a good thing. It means you're capable of updating your internal software and able to recognize a possible flaw in your thinking. Write it down. Number two, what energized me? This could be people, places, or projects. And number three, what drained me? Same thing, activities, people, projects. Number four, who were dead weight? The vampires. These are the folks who held you back. 
diminished your accomplishments or laughed at your goals or your dreams. They sucked the life out of you. Identify these folks and then get as far away from them as possible. Number five, what did I not do because of fear? Deconstruct your thinking on this one. Break down the fear, view it through the lens of time, and write it down. Number six, what were my wins and what were my losses? Small, big, silly, profound, whatever. Write down three of your wins this year and write down three of your losses. Number seven, how do I feel about my work life? Essentially, did I learn new skills? How do I feel about the work, actual work? And what might I want to change? Number eight, what happened to my body? Was I sick or injured? Did I heal or have a big recovery? Did I care for myself? And how do I feel at the end of the year? Am I energized or exhausted? Number nine, how have I changed as a person? Pretty straightforward, really hard question. Did I make good choices? Take credit for that. Did I make bad choices? Well, take accountability for that and then march on. Number 10, what do I want the year ahead to look like? Consider relationships, work life, health, finances, creative, and dream life. Number 10 is the traditional New Year's resolution reimagined. But instead of telling yourself what you're not going to do, why not ping the reward center of your brain with a clear target to aim at? Something positive. Okay, that's the list. I hope it helps because it's all I've got. But you've got 364 days before that old familiar signpost appears on the horizon and you have a list of ingredients now to help you dial in that time and experience mixture. I wish you all so much love and continued success in 2023. Let's do it again next year. Good Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Listen, the next time you hear from me, it'll be 2023. I was not trying to purposely make all of that rhyme, but hey, you know what they say, kids, smoke them if you got them. Next week, episode 24 gets us back on track with the first segment of Strong Coffee, Strong Women of 2023. My guest is so on point with her message about nutrition and health. Her name, Sue Stillman Linja. Sue is a nutritionist and co-author of the book, The Alzheimer's Prevention Food Guide. She's traveled all over the world studying centenarians to determine if there was a link between the foods they ate that protected their brains. She's all over the nutrition world. She's spoken at TEDx, and she's here to talk about eating to keep your brain healthy. Happiness increases, obviously, better eating habits. You know, 20, I think they said 27%, the studies show 27% less calories if you're eating in versus eating out, even at the exact same meal. So if you were eating, you know, chicken and potatoes and, you know, salad or whatever. Um, so, you know, th that equates to just better health all the way around. How timely is this? Just a few days after New Year's with some tips to help you be successful with that I'm going to eat healthier resolution you made. I'll be here next week. Hope you will too. Until then, you know what I'm going to say. Be nice, do good stuff.